I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome to Astro Radio Z. I am your host, Derek Carey, and with me tonight is my centipede, my perfect creation, Mr. Gonzorific himself, Andrew Shearer. He is part one of this human podcast appeed. How are you doing, Andrew? I hate human beings. Ah, clitoris! <laughs> it's clitoris to be... Uh, clitoris, yes. I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, you were thinking it. Kate was thinking yep. it. We, you know. I have a feeling this whole podcast is going to be us just randomly shouting quotes from the Human Centipede, <laughs> one of the films, at some point. <laughs> um, so, Andrew, how you been, man? I'm great, dude. I just I should mention most of the quotes that are on the IMDb page for Human Centipede three. I sent those in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're that guy. You're the guy who sits on IMDb putting all those quotes in. It's only for some movies where I think, like, you know, I'm going like, oh, what was it that guy said? And I look it up and I'm like, what? No one, no one put that. What? So I put that for this and um, Born in East L.A. the Cheech Marin movie. <laughs> and I think a couple for I got the hookup, but longtime listeners of this show will not be surprised by that. That's a deep <laughs> cut. That's a deep, deep cut. I gotta admit to you and, and to all my listeners that I am that guy on Letterboxed. If there's a movie that I've watched and it's not on Letterboxd, I set that shit up. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Part two of the podcastipede tonight is the lovely Miss Kate Owens. How are you doing, Miss? I'm good. I'm better than a German doctor who just made his first centipede. Ooh, <laughs> my, my lovely dog peed. My lovely dog peed. My sweet three dog. <laughs> my three dog. Oh, I love it. What you been up to, Kate? It's been a while since we've had you on. Yeah, I've been good. Just, you know, trying to watch the movies, make things, you know, nothing special. <laughs> oh, nothing special. Are you kidding me? You have your own line of clothing now. Now, I have, I, I bought this wonderful, terrifying girls <laughs> boarding school. You did. Thank you. I love it. I absolutely love it. So why don't you tell the listeners of Astro Radio Z the, this clothing line that you have and where they can get this stuff. Okay. Well, it's just, um, it's t-shirts with my glitch art on them and they come in many different colors but I think they look best in white. Mm -hmm. um, you can get them at screened.com which is S-K-R-E-E-N-E-D slash glitch is good. Yeah, there's some pretty rad stuff on there, all, mostly exploitation films that you've glitched up. Yes. Yeah, that's those are my favorites. What is your absolute favorite shirt that you made? I only have two myself and I think it's probably the, there's one from Crybaby. Ooh, I did. I wasn't aware that this was in existence. Please tell me more. It's There's a, a crybaby one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a crybaby one with. I, I watched it with the subtitles on, and it said "Young Women Gasp," and it was when Johnny Depp is like walking up to all the girls at school. And oh my! The way 
yeah, the the way that it turned out, it just kind of it just looked really different. It looks it looks very intentional, but it is not. Oh my god, Kay, I'm gonna have to buy another shirt. <laughs> you just did it. Thank you just made you. another sale. Yes. You just took my you took all my monies. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Cry, baby. That's all you had to say to me. I don't even care what was on it. Could have been, could have been hatchet face. Yeah, and I can, I can put more up too. I, I don't have everything up, but there's, I can add anything. So. <laughs> and last but not least, the final piece of the the podcast appeared. The man, the myth, the legend. Astro Radio Z staple, Mr. Mark the Movie Man, and you guys can fight amongst yourself with who gets to start the podcast to Pete and who ends it and who wants to be in the middle. Just on my, my list of the callers, this is how, how it's listed. So unfortunately, Mark gets to digest all of your poop and, and ingest it and, and it all comes out him. So how are you doing tonight, Mark? I don't want to speak with a stupid filmmaker about his poop fetish. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, so I'm glad to be here, as always. This uh, should be banned! <laughs> well, the the end one in part two gets a little happy time, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, um, How are we going to roll it? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if I particularly call that happy time. Um <laughs> Uh, for, for the, for, for I the, break for babies takes on a whole new meaning at the end of that film. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Okay, so let's before we this come becomes just a convoluted mess that nobody that, that people that have never seen this series of films could ever actually intelligently decipher as like human communication. Let's let's go ahead and let's just start talking about what what we came here for tonight. A series of films by uh, filmmaker Tom Six, The Human Centipede. Three parts of this film have been made so far. Hopefully it stays that way. It doesn't seem <laughs> like he's going to make any more. It seems like he's the kind of person that's actually going to stop at three films. Mm. I mean, do you guys feel like this could be an actual, like, one huge film? Yeah, I could probably see that, especially with kind of how... I mean, he doesn't really seem to care about criticism, but in the end, uh, it, the Oops. third one really ha has been received uh, by mixed, you know, uh, very mixed uh, opinions on it. So it, this could be the final one. I think he just wanted to do these three, and I think this could be it, you know, just this trilogy, this one long film in a film in a film. Uh type of deal, uh, you know, especially with this last one. The last one really, uh, yeah, I'd say he's done. He may do something else similar or maybe a spinoff or, you know, reference, but I think he's done. Um, I have the Blu-ray of Part 2, and there's mm -hmm. a fairly in-depth uh, interview with him on there. And uh, it seemed like all along, you know, he he had this vision for what the first film was, which from what I've read started off as a joke between him and his sister because <laughs> um, I guess it's it's a long standing tradition in their family that they sit around and just come up with the most disgusting things they can possibly come up with to, to make each other laugh and for some reason this thing stuck mm -hmm. and uh, what that thing is fine listeners of Astro Radio Z is the, the first film the human centipede first sequence oh, Amy. hello sweetie 
No, we're in Germany right now. Tell everybody we met this cute Holland. German waiter, and he invited us to this party tonight. So maybe we can talk to you later. Okay. Bye, sweetie. The left or right? Sorry, I just don't know where we are. I thought you knew exactly where we were going. Emergency car service for us. I'm designed to never see an operation, not separating anymore, but creating a beautiful structure. A Siamese ship. The human Warming tale of this mad doctor who is uh, a retired uh, surgeon who is the most famous surgeon for separating Siamese twins in the world. And uh, he has this diabolical scheme to connect three beings into one, <laughs> one being via their digestive tracts. It's so, scientifically accurate, man. Supposedly scientifically accurate because he's a he's a doctor, so that's how they get away with this because obviously he has a methodology to how he's going to make this happen. And, uh, of course, he's had a trial period before he decides to try and move this into the human arena. And what that was and it, what we had talked about before, what Kate had alluded to, the, 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 three, the lovely three dog. The three dog, yeah. Um, is that he... He took these three dogs, sedated them, and then um, <laughs> stitched them ass to mouth, ass to mouth, <laughs> so that they would, <laughs> they one would eat, all the food would go through to the last one, and it would be one perfect being. <laughs> and essentially, what the the movie is is that he ends up uh, kidnapping three people and doing the same thing to them. There you go. There's a human centipede. There's not a hell of a lot to it, um, but it, it, it's a fairly simple concept um, that I remember when this film came out, it was sold and all anyone would talk about yeah. was the concept. And it this movie, it sold through the roof. It became a, a cultural phenomenon. Then when it came out, I don't know if you, you all remember when uh, Takashi Miike's audition came out. I did. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It was kind of the similar type deal where I, at least where I was, I was living in Seattle, Washington at the time. And I remember when it came out, there was such a, an insane word of mouth 
about it because it's, it was unlike what most people were accustomed to at the time. And I think it lived on a notoriety of, of uh, degradation and perverseness. And it was water cooler talk. And yeah. the human centipede absolutely is, was water cooler talk. I mean, what was your guys' experience when this first movie, this first movie came out? Uh, well, I mean, I I'm in favor of the horror movie that people are like, you know, daring each other to watch. You know what I mean? Or being like, you know, what I'm saying every generation needs one of those things. I was like, I found it to be kind of an original concept, but I when I went in to watch it, I thought, uh, you know, this movie's got one thing I need it to do. And I just kept waiting and waiting. And uh, it's uh, for those who have seen it, it's an hour, basically, 45 to an hour before the people that are, are actually sewn together, you know, before you see the, the, the human centipede. And I just, I think my experience with it wasn't that great because I was just waiting for that, you know what I mean? And so I was like, God, it's taking forever. I just want to see the, you know what I mean? I just want to see the one thing, the, the gimmick, you know? Right. And, and then it's, you know, it's over not to, you know, maybe about an extra 20 25 minutes or something like that. So I didn't get it when I first saw it. I was like, okay, I saw Human Centipede, big deal. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, it wasn't until it wasn't until later I had a friend who was going nuts over it and she was like, you're crazy. This is one of the best, like this is one of the true midnight movies, man. I mean, this thing really, this isn't like uh, just, just for shock value. This is really doing something. I'm like, uh, all right. I you know and then I watched it again because I wasn't waiting this time to see the human centipede. I already knew it was going to happen, and I watched it as a movie. And I'm, I I find Tom Six to be, a very, you know, concerned with originality in a in a in a very like refreshing kind of way. And I'm not at all a rubbernecker when it comes to horror. I'm like I'm 38 years old now. I don't try to get freaked out by movies anymore. That's something kids do. Uh, I just want to see something different. Human Centipede is very, very different. It's a, it's a mad scientist movie. I really like it. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a mad scientist movie for the modern age, done in a very sophisticated manner. I, I think just from the filmmaking standpoint alone, it's a very elegant film. Yeah, um, yeah, it is, and it's not, you know, it's not like a Frankenstein type story. It's more like a uh, atrocity. You know what I mean? Like, um, like Men Behind the Sun or Apt Pupil or something like, you know, something like that. It seems to be. You know, you get that. I guess it's because of the the actor being German and stuff, and the way he dresses. You know, you get that feeling that that um that kind of like you know the the well, what was it on the exploitation uh, podcast? We we're talking about the SS experiment camp or whatever. Right, right. It's more kind of like infusing that rather than uh than torture and you know what I mean, murder and mayhem. No, it absolutely the the first human centipede isn't about the torture. It's about, and I I feel that each of these uh, films is more character piece of the villain. Yeah, it's it's very much so. And the human centipede is is really like the manifestation of of this this central villain's either their lust or their hatred or um what how they feel towards the world around them, and uh, this first film is so methodical about it and it, it goes along the line of the psyche of this villain in the film, uh, Dr. Hyder. Um, very, very clinical, very, um, everything's super symmetrical. The, the, the cinematography is very symmetrical and it's all takes place in one place yep. for the most part. And I, I, I agree with Andrew wholeheartedly. Like the first time I saw this film, I didn't like it at all. 
because I think the water cooler talk had gotten to such a uh, fever pitch that the concept was already ruined, obviously. Uh, when you hear the human centipede, you kind of got to know what it is. And they were selling it right outright. And so, yeah, like Andrew said, I was just waiting. I was just waiting to see this human centipede and then what was going to happen. And that's not what the film's about whatsoever. Kate, what was your first experience with this film? Well, I heard about it, and it was described to me as someone sews people ass to mouth to make a centipede. <laughs> and, and I thought, well, that's ridiculous, but I really want to see it. So I finally got to see it, and at first I, I couldn't... I, I don't think I took it fully seriously because the drawing of the diagram... <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you elaborate about that a little bit, Kate? He's... <laughs> So the, the, the German doctor has all, all three of the soon-to-be centipede parts, all, all the people, um, strapped to their beds, and he's like, I have a diagram. I'm going to create a three-person centipede that is connected through the digestive tract. And he has this very crude medical drawing that's just like the outline of... <laughs> <laughs> three people in the human centipede position with <laughs> with a center line going through the middle of them to to illustrate the the connection between them the digestive tract. Did you feel that the that the drawings were kind of cute? Yeah, they actually um <laughs> I, I bought one for one of my friends because they sell them on Etsy as like a 3D drawing and it's like framed and everything. Oh, that's so, funny. It kind of looks like a little like a Keith Herring or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. it totally did. I kept I kept looking at it really quickly and thinking that's what it was. No. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean because of that I think that I I don't really think I took it fully seriously initially. And then when I watched it more and the more that I would talk about it, the more I was like, oh, I actually like really kind of like this. Yeah, it grows on you. It's good. Yeah, I'm like, this is pretty cool. But the one thing, and I've said it since I heard about it, a centipede has 100 legs, not three. So well, he, that's why this is the first sequence, though. He, he just, he's building up to it. I mean, right. so. it would be the human tripede. <laughs> it's quite the have metaphor, the same Kate. It's the yeah. metaphor. Yeah, but but I that, that was my experience with the first one, and then I found out there's a second one, and the third one, and... I freaked out for both of them, and yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed them all. I thoroughly was very unimpressed with the first film until I went back to it years later, and then just absolutely after seeing the second one, which we'll get to eventually, is is my favorite of the trilogy. Um, it made me revisit this film, and uh, I, I think unjustly. I maligned it, and it, I shouldn't have, because I think it's a really solid piece of exploitation cinema done in a very artful way. Uh, Mark, what about you, my friend? Like everyone else, I had heard about the hype uh, and how extreme it was. And in all honesty, I sat down and watched it, and I go, okay, this is a bit disturbing with the three of them and that, but I, you know, the way people had been making it out, uh, I thought it was going to be even worse than what it was, you know, the way the hype was. So when I sat down and watched it, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm just a sick puppy like that too. Uh, but <laughs> um, I will say I, the, the, 
you know, you knew the centipede was coming and the way they did it and everything, I, I found it kind of humorous. <laughs> Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I found a lot of comedy in here. Yeah, uh, and even revisiting it now, the first time it didn't quite hit me. The second time around, I actually enjoyed it more because I sat kind of like Andrew. I kind of just sat and watched it as a film, and I enjoyed it more. You know, I I didn't think it was phenomenal, but I appreciated exactly what he was going for, and you know. Underneath it almost felt like this was just kind of a big finger to to uh, Hollywood and some exploitation films, you know, not not in a necessarily a bad way, just saying, look, you know, <laughs> here, take this, <laughs> you know, everybody, all this uh, Hollywood horror coming out and everything and people doing found footage and that, and then you've got this, you know, you, you've got, we're going to sew people together and you're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the genius of it is like it starts off with every horror cliche you can have, yes, but not in like um, not in like a scream kind of way, not in a self-aware kind of way. It's getting you into a safe place as a horror viewer. You're like, oh right, yeah, of course Absolutely. they're in this other country. Oh yeah, of course the phone doesn't work. Oh, they got a flat tire. Oh, you know what I mean? And yeah. the mad doctor, like, oh, we get it, we get it. But what it's doing. It's getting you into there, the false sense of security, so he can then whip out the crazy shit. But also, and what I w- didn't get the first time when I saw it and I was just waiting for the centipede is that he's making you care about these people that this is happening to. Mm-hmm. So if you're just sitting there going like, just turn into centipede, just turn into centipede, you're an asshole and you're sick and you're messed up because this is awful and you need to care about what's happening to these people. He makes them... Um, there's like three different languages spoken. There's like German, there's English, and there's Japanese. So the Japanese guy can't communicate with these two women. They don't, you know what I'm saying? There's so mm-hmm. many smart things that this guy is doing to dismiss him and to dismiss this movie as a bunch of shit or just for shock value. You're a moron. This guy mm-hmm. has done a lot of really, you know what I'm saying? Like when I watched it again, I was like, damn, you know, I like this is. <laughs> This is no, it's a, it's very smart. It's a very smart film, and it's also extremely effective. And I think to your point is the very ending of the film would not work if you didn't care about the people that were stitched yeah. up together. Oh, you, it hurts um, your feelings to see them. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's not even that that gory compared to the other ones. It's like this is enough. The idea, it's enough. You know, mm-hmm. it is basically all in your head. Like, it's all done through suggestion, like, just positioning, like, blocking people in a certain way that makes you think very disgusting things are going on. And he also knows that you already know what's going to happen, and the doctor explains it just like any other doctor. If you've ever had surgery, that's what they do. They show you, you know, drawings or pictures of what's going to happen to you. I mean, it's all like – so you don't then need that. You you know, your mind can do that. I don't know, man. I just – yeah, I think it's smarter than people give it credit for. Way better, too. Yeah, I think also uh, one of the main things that uh, upon watching it again, um, and I think this is a film that deserves a couple watches. It really does. I mean, if mm-hmm. you have the stomach uh, for for this series, I think you you should do yourself a favor and go and rewatch it again in order um, because it, it really <laughs> it's it's a powerful series to sit and watch all in a row well not necessarily all in a row in one sitting but i mean if you space out like one a day and watch these three 
they're highly affecting films. Like the first film, one of the things that really gets me is the sound design. Yeah. It's, it's very minimal. It's, it, it, it's a lot of really ambient tones and, um, there's just a, an underlying sense of dread through the entire film built entirely off of sound. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, did you, when you watched these, did were you wearing headphones? No, no, no. I wasn't wearing headphones, but I'm kind of wondering what that would be like now with like noise canceling ones. It might be kind of. Let me just tell you why we're talking about sound on these movies. It's so freaking gross. It is really? like. Oh, I'll have to try it. Yeah, and you know, um, uh, there are bonus features on um, the discs of one and two. Three's not out yet on discs, but like of just how they made the. The crunches and the yeah. you know, the stabs and all this stuff, and they're sitting there with like meat and slabs cow, of pig and stuff, cow heads and feet and all this stuff, and they're just breaking it and stabbing. I mean, but with headphones. Oh, gig. Burberian sound studio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like like that, like that. Yeah. But these are you know. Oh, that's so neat. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, I know what I'm doing next. Yeah, it's so gross. It's hard to it's hard to watch, especially the centipede scenes, and especially in part two, <laughs> after seeing those behind the scenes where they're doing the foley sound for this stuff, and not think about it. It's yeah. really tough. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rad stuff. But this, but the first film, you know, in general, is a fairly straight laced horror film. Would you mm-hmm. guys agree? Yeah, that's like what you were saying. He's got that classic setup, uh, and you know, it's a like it's you know, mad scientist thing. I mean, it's uh, you know, all the all the stuff I talked about aside about the uh, you know the uh, the, the Nazi, uh, I wouldn't even call them implications. It's inspirations, I right. would say. Um, it's just like, you know, the, the, there's there's not a whole lot of sideways about it other than its concept. It doesn't need to do anything else. You have the human centipede. You know, just make a good movie out of it. Actually, one of my favorite parts of those film is the two cops. I love the two cops. I just love their characters. They felt they were a bit humorous, you know, they kind of bumbling uh, cops. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they play an integral part in the, the resolution of the film. But in the beginning, especially when we first introduced them, introduced to them, they're kind of almost the comic relief of the film. <laughs> would you would you like them to the cops uh, like the levity that the cops bring in Last House on the Left? <laughs> <laughs> no, the chicken lady, the chicken truck. Lady. The chicken. <laughs> Got the chickens and the truck. And the truck. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> oh, I, I would kind of like them to that. You know, it, it made me think that Top Six doesn't think too highly of of police, but. <laughs> Well, I think let's let's all be clear. I mean, I, at this point, we all have enough knowledge about Tom Six through interviews and watching him that you know he he is a very satirical has a very satirical mind. Yep. Like this this a lot of this is very funny to him, but he's not being at least in this film. The first time I watched, it, I thought it was really funny. Like that was all that saved it for me is I thought it was funny, but then rewatching it. I, there's very little of this film I felt was funny at all. Well, I mean, you could, I mean, t- you, uh, you could say that the Human Centipede series is basically one big poop joke. If right. you wanted to just do a blanket thing, and the first movie starts with a guy taking a shit. Yeah. So, re, you know, someone could just say, 
you know the whole thing is is just a you know joke about shit and if you're if there is a part of human centipede one that's hilarious uh, to me it's the the when the, the the guy at the head finally realizes he's got to go to he's got to use the bathroom right. so we're going to see this digestive tract thing work and of course Dr. Heiter, Heiter, every you say his name, is super stoked about this, you know? <laughs> but the guy feels bad because he's about to shit on two people who can't, you know, and two women. So he's like humiliated. So the first time I saw that, I thought that was funny because dude's like, oh, I got to shit. And then he starts praying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's hilarious. I mean, you know, that's sick, but you're kind of in the. That's the way we react a lot of times to horrible things. Sometimes we got to make humor out of it, you know. But um, you know, when you start thinking about the humiliation factor, I mean, does anyone think Solo is funny? Past no. Solo, and so you know, um, once you get past that initial like, holy shit, ha, poop, you know what I mean? Right. It's fucked up, man. And that um, the way that guy plays it is super realistic. The way everybody plays it's uh, very. I can. Can you imagine having to be on hands and knees like that for the whole, you know, most of your acting time yeah yeah i mean well, i i know that they had a hard time finding actors that actually would do this which so you had to audition you had to sit there with your with the, with your face in someone's ad that that was your part of your audition you know and oh people, god yeah and you're just like can you do that like you know i here's the thing that no nothing addresses none of the articles i've read none of the commentaries nothing what if you got a fart what if you have to fart on set Right, and your face is, you know, what I'm saying, like your 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 ass in someone's face. It just <laughs> that's the thing I wonder. I'm sorry, I needed to say that now. You know? <laughs> no, that that literally is a thought that crossed my mind multiple times. Okay, dude, before. like like you like okay, you go on like a no, uh, no, you know, like in Showgirls, you had to eat brown rice and, and vegetables. Like, okay, I'm not eating broccoli. You know what I'm saying? Or right. I'm dairy creamer, or drinking a Heineken, or <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm being stupid, but you know what I'm saying. I'm like, no, no, absolutely. And I mean, the, you got to give it up for all these people. They they really went for it. It's it's a film that um, I think in a series in general, and we'll get into part two here momentarily. But that that just went for it. That de- yeah. decided that you know what, we're not going to hold back. We're just going to go for it, even though the first film feels a little tame in retrospect. I, I still feel that the overall, the tonality and atmosphere and uh, just how the film was made, it's a very slick, elegant, very oppressive kind of horror film that uh, I, I really, really dig. And medically accurate, 100%. 100%, supposedly. 100%. He consulted a surgeon, like a guy's like under under the condition of anonymity, told him how you'd do it. He said it could it could be done like at a hospital. So any any closing final thoughts for you guys? Um. Well, I I like that that it was relatively tame, and I thought it was tame when I first saw it, but I like that because it sort of it it kind of eased everybody in who might have a difficult time with it. Yeah. Yeah, and also it was just kind of nice that I mean it seems like a weird word to use. It was it was nice, but um, it was just nice that it didn't have to. That it didn't have to uh, be over the top, well, more over the top, right starting out. You know, it, it could use the crazy idea and just the sheer bananas-ness, if that makes sense. It was bananas. the concept, yeah. Yeah, it could just use that, just initially. Didn't need anything else, and it could build on that more. So I liked that. I- Mark? Oh, uh, well, first time I watched it, and I re- actually reviewed it for my channel, I was a bit harsh on it, but... 
that was four years ago. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> but being older, a little wiser, watched a lot more different films. Uh, I appreciate it a little bit more. I still completely uh, have respect for those who participated in the film. Uh, you know, the actors and actresses and the fact that they went for it on this movie. And I agree with Kate that uh, it, it was tamer than what the hype led it up to be for me. And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was just like, oh, this is what it is. So, you know, I, I respect for it for what it is, and uh, I appreciate it a little bit more, uh, you know, for what it was as well. Not my favorite horror film, but it, it's decent. You know, it's more enjoyable, I think, with each watch. You, you, well, more disturbing with each watch because you notice more things, so. I think in retrospect, after you watch the other films and you you go back, I think the humor starts to temper off, and you start to really think about the situation and what you're watching and what it is. And to me, it just it it gets heavier and heavier every single time I watch it. Andrew, do you have any closing thoughts? I just think it's rare that a movie like this would be made by someone who is actually a good filmmaker. It just, we don't see it. You know, we see somebody with a gross idea and it's usually like as much as I love Troma or some other people, uh, Andreas Schnaz or somebody like that. Yeah. They just, you know what I'm saying? The execution is just kind of, you know, off. Yeah. It, it's just haphazard or, backyardy or whatever we don't get the quality a lot of times uh you use the term artful i totally agree with that human centipede is an artful movie and the fact that it also angered a lot of horror fans meant it is doing exactly what it's supposed to do my name is tom six i'm a filmmaker you might know me as the creator of the human centipede some people have said that that's the sickest movie of all time. But it's 100% medically accurate. I even get death threats on, on Facebook about it. The sickest bastard is Dr. Heiter, they're saying. But too many people just think it's like my little pony so now prepare for part two which really will be the sickest movie of all time and we've scoured the world for the worst evilest baddest asses of all. We've been through prisons, through institutes for the criminally insane, gambling dens in Macau, and we've found the sickest fucking bastard of them all. Martin. Hey, I hope you're not time-wasting, you. I've got a dozen people waiting to look at this place. Hey, come on, let's get this lease signed, eh? Your mother is very worried about you. 
keeps on talking about a centipede with 12 people. What does that mean? The centipede can be considered a phallic symbol. Centipedes are very aggressive creatures. Ian, please! Their bite can be very painful. What are you looking at? Maybe he's connecting the pain that a centipede inflicts with the psychological and sexual abuse inflicted on him by his father. There's nothing to worry about. I'm sure it's just a passing phase. Hmm? What is this? 100% medically accurate. One digestive system? Is this a perverted film you've been talking about? This isn't right, Martin. What you're doing is wrong. I'm doing it! It's a film! You were sending me to film! Moving into the second film, um, which turns out to be a black and white film. The first film, uh, from articles I've read, uh, there was there was this great article um, on BizarroCentral.com, which was entitled, Why the Human Centipede 3 Might Be Smarter and More Interesting Than the Book You're Writing and What You Can Do About It by Jarek Cook. It posits this amazing idea about the series that um, at least to me I found it very interesting was that the series it's in itself is essentially about the evolution of an idea yeah. uh, a, an idea from uh, one person until it gets to uh, be implemented on uh, a global scale and uh, the first film could be seen as that that nucleus of an idea that's uh, that's put out uh, and it realized and then part two is when that idea gets um, put out to the to the world and somebody takes it and runs with it. And what part two is, the story of part two is about uh, this parking lot attendant uh, named Martin who is obsessed with the first human centipede film. Now here we go into meta territory, folks. And honestly, I, this is one of the few film series that I feel take the meta approach in a very refreshing and thoughtful manner as opposed to a lesser filmmaker who would do this and it would be nothing but winks and nods and it have no substance and have nothing to say with what it's attempting to do. What did you guys think about uh, the fact that Tom Six decided to start this movie off and the main idea being that its central character was obsessed with the first film? I got a kick out of it, in all honesty. Uh, like I said, the first one didn't quite sit too well, and this one I'm like, oh, okay, we're we're going here, and I loved how it was handled, how it influenced the guy, how he was inspired by the first one. But he, you know, it in doing so, it helped with the fact that we're doing the same concept only on a bigger scale, and it, it really helped sell it more for me. You know, it, it accepted the fact that we're basically doing the same thing as in the first one, only on a larger scale, uh, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, so I, I liked it. I, it surprised me that he took that approach. I did not expect him to go that route at all. You know, when I heard 
two was coming out, I was like, how are they going to do two? And then uh, I see it with this approach, and, and I got into it. But I, I love I like the Martin character anyway. Yeah, it was played very well by uh, Lawrence Harvey. I think he he did this amazing performance, which there's no lines of dialogue in the entire film. He's he expresses everything in grunts, and uh, he's mostly hunched over, and his eyes are so expressive, so unbelievably expressive. He, I think that the performance just. It's just unbelievable. Well, he was a great character too, though, because you know, even for somewhat non-Hollywood type look, you know, they have some kind of little look to him. And him, he just really was the embodiment of, say, an average person. You, you know what I mean? And I think that added the creepiness as a fact of, uh, as far as the way we're introduced to him in that he's just parking lot attendant. He has something kind of mentally wrong with him, which we realize later on. But when we first meet him, he just, you know, he could be that guy that's parking your car now that's watching centipede that that's, you know, he loves horror films. And, and next thing you know, you're, you know, tranked in the back of his van being coming part of segment 32. Right. Know? Yeah. In, in, in the, in the film itself is, is about this, this Martin character who's who has been sexually abused in the past by his father and is haunted by it, lives with his completely maniacal and hate-filled mother in a, a, like a two-bedroom flat, and his entire world is is completely cracked and fucked and, and dire and oppressive, and uh, he is absolutely to the core obsessed with making a human centipede and uh, he has scrapbooks that he's collected pieces of uh, promotional art and pictures of the actresses and in in drawn diagrams of <laughs> of how to put the centipede together and, <laughs> and and all of this stuff um and he's gotten to the point now through being a parking lot attendant he's figured out a way that he's going to do it himself. So what he does is he goes and he he rents. He doesn't really rent anything, but he goes <laughs> and checks out this garage, and uh, kills the proprietor of the garage that was going to rent it to him, the landlord, and uh, starts putting these people that he bonks over the head with a crowbar and ties up, strips, and puts them in this garage so that he, he can put together a twelve-person centipede. That's the basic concept of the film. And then what happens, of course, he puts together a 12-human centipede. But uh, he has zero medical experience. <laughs> he, he's basically a mute. Um, but, but, I don't, but the thing is about the film, and please correct me, guys, if I'm wrong, his mother talks about him actually speaking to her, but we never hear him say anything. So remember. is he really a mute, or is is just we are never privy to seeing him talk? I, th I think he's able to make sounds because he was making very specific fart sounds at the end of the movie. <laughs> you know? So, I, yeah, I mean, I don't remember her mentioning talking with him, but I, I just kind of assumed he was able to and just chose not to. That's the basic gist of this film. The film is, is completely, you take the elegantness of part one, strip it, strip it down, desaturate it. it the look of the film to me had, was very reminiscent of a racer head yeah yeah, at least, right. yeah mm -hmm. there was with the vignetting that went on uh with the film where a lot of the there's just the edges of the film were, were dark and it softly went into a very highlighted and bright center and um 
there's there's just like everything looks dirty and dank and black and and just like you're wa- you've walked into the pit of hell. I'm not I'm not going to be around the bush. I think this movie's absolutely fantastic. You you take the elegantness of part 1, strip it down to a very degrading disgusting level and just ratchet it up. Like this is Mark said the he felt the first film was a middle finger. This is two middle fingers. This yeah. this film is basically you 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 wanted disgustingness with the first film. Well, here you go. Try and sort this one out. Try and figure this out. <laughs> and and honestly, I I think its vision is so oppressive that by the end of the film, it's so repulsive and it never falters and never wavers. Your 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 face is stuck flat into this thing, like the the people in the centipede stapled ass to mouth. Having to choke down the only color in the film, which is brown, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you—that's what this this movie is telling the viewers. That here you go. How can you can you sort this out, um, Andrew? What did you think of part two? I wasn't reviewing movies professionally when the first one came out, but I was when two came out, and I remember that. Um, I guess uh, who was who was the distributor? IFC maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. um, IFC. Th- they were still trying to figure out the screener, the online screener thing. So there, there was an app you had to download, and it was I had oh god, it was I ended up having to watch on a computer screen. So I was just I think my first impression was like thank goodness that this director is back. Thank goodness he's not doing the sequel thing of telling backstory about the doctor or, you know, or stupid stuff, you know, the stuff that makes it not as effective. You know, they always want to go, you know, on backstory in part two. I don't want that. You know, I want And So I was like, wow, well, this is a really unique approach, man. Like, this is really good. But it was almost hard to kind of tell what was going on because of the stupid computer thing. Um, so I, you know, I, of course I enjoyed it and I did, I was disturbed by it. All the things that it wanted to do worked for me. But then I went to a convention where it was screening at midnight and Lawrence Harvey was there. And so I meet him. He's great. Like he loves it. He loved everything he did in this movie. He couldn't wait to do it. Like the guy is, he's great. He likes to drink alcohol, but he's also a very, <laughs> very, very great guy. Um, but uh, this is also the only movie I've se- of the series I've seen in the theater. Dude, people w- went insane. This whole movie, everything that happened, they were just like, oh, ah! there were people running out. There were people, <laughs> you know, with their hands in their head. And this is at a horror convention, all right? So, like, I was like, whoa, Human Centipede 2? You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like a, it, it really was a, quite an experience, and it's hard to to really kind of say between the two of those um, because um, a Serbian film was also out that year, I think, or no, the year before or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you had two really well-produced, two very deliberately disturbing kind of movies, but uh, coming from foreign directors, foreign filmmakers, uh, and this one really, to me, it was just like, you know, they do want to hurt you. They do want to upset you. They do want to punish you for what you're, for you know, they want to give you what you what you came for. With Human Centipede Two, oh man, it's just like you got to really see it as part of an entire series, not necessarily a standalone movie. As its own movie, yeah, it's wild. It's a crazy experience. It's super gory. It's downbeat. It's grim. 
You know, it's all of those things. And it goes for broke. Everything that Tom Six thought he might do in the first one but didn't, he really did in this one. And <laughs> it's one of the most unique horror series ever. I can't think of another part two, you know what I mean, that went like this route that was made by the same person you know, Tom Six and his sister, you know, they, right. they make these things. Uh, I still, thinking about it now, like, I can't believe I watched it twice. I think I wouldn't have gone into that midnight screening if I hadn't seen it, like, you know what I'm saying, like a proper screening of it the first time, because I'll never watch Human Centipede 2 again. <laughs> Too much it's for me. It really is. It's a tough pill to swallow, and I gotta, I gotta be a hundred percent honest with my listeners and with everyone. I've watched this movie quite a number of times. When when we were starting to, and, and I don't want to get on a, a me 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 kind of tangent here, but when when we were starting to conceptualize um, our anthology film Hole in the Wall, Corey Adler and I uh, watched this film uh, right before we we started really getting in deep with it and uh it it affected us both very profoundly to the point where the the spirit that this film embodies and and it still has never been diminished through the the multiple times that i've watched it including the last one which was only a couple weeks ago that i rewatched this film is that it is it does not care for the safety of its viewer whatsoever there is there is little care for anything other than than full on assault. This is what this villain wants to do, and here it is. This is what what we're gonna show. We're not gonna shy away from it. You, the viewer, have to sort it out. Well, I know that Kate, on purpose, you've said before you like to seek out movies like this, like the most notorious and stuff. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, kind of as like an endurance test. I don't. I don't know how that sounds, but that you know, that's that's what it is for me at least. What did you think of the film in general, Kate? Human Centipede Two. I I really liked that. Like Andrew said, they didn't go the normal sequel direction, and that they brought it back to the first one. I loved that whole concept. But I mean, if there's ever been a movie that'll make you just feel like grimy and very sad and a little bit confused about really big things it's human centipede too i get that dude you know like oh yeah yeah i never had something that made me just feel like that um and it was really it was totally bleak and uh, it was difficult i mean i like it because it's not one that I'll watch a lot, whereas one in three I could see myself watching a couple times. Yeah, absolutely. I think I agree with you. It's it's a it's a film that because it's so bleak, it, it, it's just like. But again, he does really smart things. You know, there's a oh, absolutely. Movie where there's a, a couple that has a, a kid, 
he doesn't kill the kid. He spares the kid because Six knows later he's going to pull out, you know, one of the most notorious scenes in the movie, which is the the uh, labor scene and the escape. You know, the mm-hmm. you think the pregnant woman's dead, <laughs> and then she's like, I'm getting out of here. And then that's a rough, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, the Feast movie, I forget which Feast movie it is, where they, like, just kill. Number two, they yeah. toss their baby out to the Feast Beasts. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, those movies are so, like, deliberate with that stuff. You know, right. I kind of... I liked the Feast movie at first, and then I was like, I hate these movies. I do, I'm sorry, John. I like you, but I don't. <laughs> I've told him. He knows. But, like, seriously, though, um, they, they're, they um, again, so smart, man. You know? And, and it's almost like uh, Tom Six isn't if – if this guy – if these movies were just about being gross – that they wouldn't sustain. You couldn't sustain the running time. They wouldn't have. We wouldn't be talking about it uh, like we are, uh, and having been affected by it the way we do. Um, what I want to uh, ask everyone though is, with do you feel that there is humor? Because with the with the shit, and there's a part where you know, and it's clear that Lawrence Harvey's character Martin so happy. That he's, you know, he can't wait to get the doo-doo out because he is reenacting the first movie. Yeah. Um, so um, when when he gives a laxative to the thing to make it to hasten the shit moment, the moment that, you know, uh, Dr. Heater in the first movie is so stoked for, like I was talking about, um, you know, and of course the, uh, the, the, the feces just blast right out and hits the wall. Um, the actors were laughing like hell. Like they all were having a great time. It was, it was hilarious to them, you know. The crew were very disturbed. It's interesting to read about and hear about the set reports for this thing. Were you guys laughing? Uh, I know some of the scenes we admitted to in the first one were funny. Would you guys find any of this funny, part two? Oh yeah. I found of a lot you of. Would, Kate. I don't even mean <laughs> talking to everybody else here. She's a deviant. I'm, I'm with Kate. I found it hilarious when the baby hit the floor and he's. She's. I laughed my ass. <laughs> I got to admit, too, the first time that I watched The Human Centipede 2, I was laughing quite a bit. And I think maybe some of that is is an inherent kind of trying to temper uh, the oppressiveness that we just naturally want to laugh at things, like you said, that are over the top. Yeah. Um, but uh, but upon re-watching this thing and watching it after it, like I had said before, if you watch this series like one day after another, there is such an oppressive tone to this film into the series in general that Tom Six has, has done his job and even though there the first film only had three people that were tied together, this has theoretically twelve and only ends up to be ten because two of the people die. Yeah. He gives enough yeah. screen time to each of these people that that in it keeps going back to them as as uh, Martin is going through and like knocking their teeth out and uh, knocking them over the heads because he doesn't have anesthetic. So his crowbar is his anesthetic. And these people, he is, like, literally these people are falling apart as he's doing this. Like, they, it is so disturbing because you you kind of feel for these, they're, they're just supposed to be meat. 
they're just people that are going to be eating shit at some point in this film. Maybe it's just me that uh, over time it was so like <laughs> so depressing <laughs> watching this film that by time he, he has the whole thing together and then he fills him full of laxative and he's doing the same little dance that Dr. Hyder did in the first one. He's so ecstatic, poops going everywhere, but people are dying left and right. So he knows this human centipede's not going to last it, it, until the point where he, he finally gets his final sexual gratification, as we alluded to earlier, <laughs> where he wraps his dick in, in barbed wire and, and fucks the final piece of the centipede, which notably <laughs> enough was the scene that, that got it banned from many film festivals and, and it got cut from the theatrical release of the film. But and it was get, the scene he had to audition with. That was what he asked him to do. Oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> hey, wait, dude, he couldn't wait. Yeah, I should mention though, we we're talking about Harvey. Uh, one of the women from the first human centipede plays herself in the second one, yep. and is uh, is abducted under the pretenses of being cast in a Tarantino movie. Right. And she ends up being, and she's not a cameo. She has a big role. I mean, she figures into the the act, final act. Um, and the ultimate demise of Martin. I mean, it's it's neat the way that, that they involved her in this. Mm-hmm. And it's also another thing where he's tying in the movies to each other. Um, and Andrew, you're well well aware of this as you've watched the behind the scenes and, and sat and um, listened to interviews and things of this nature on these films. Um, Tom Six wanted these films to be like a human centipede where they fed off of each other, where the first film ends... The second film starts at the very end of the first film, and it's always somebody watching the film before it. Yeah. So the, this film is ass to mouth with the first film. <laughs> Somebody's watching the first film from the end, <laughs> and it starts into this film where the, the central character is constantly thinking about what preceded it, and then people are being tied into this film. So this concept is, is an overarching concept where he's, you know, it isn't, the, yes, they are individual films that tell their own stories, but, it, but they are tied together in, in very ingenious ways. And, and this is just further proof that these aren't just shock pieces. This was something that was really thought out, this is something that that he wants. He, oh, I know most people are going to think I'm being pretentious. He wanted to make art. This isn't just splatter shock film, uh, filmmaking, exploitation filmmaking. What do you think, Kate? You think you find this to be the case? I so initially I thought that it. I kind of thought, oh, this is just trying to you know upset people, which is fine. But I thought that's what it was, and and then when I started thinking about it more and how it relates back to the first one and how it's super meta and then with the third one I, I kind of you know I kind of changed my mind and thought you really see a lot more going on there and um, it just sort of like takes apart like I forget which one of you said it earlier but it's the experimenting with and creating an idea but I think it's also creativity in general and how people will interact with creativity and how people respond to creative works and derivative works and in yeah. how that that idea starts as one thing and then once 
society gets a hold of it, it becomes an entirely different thing, and it's usually ratcheted up to something a little bit bigger, which is what this this film is. Um, Mark, you've been a little quiet about this one. What do you you have anything to 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 add to the Human Centipede two here? Other than thinking <laughs> dead babies are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you sick I, motherfucker. I am a sick bastard because, in all honesty, especially after watching this one, first the feeling with this one was definitely the feeling of, yeah, you know, you. some people said, ah, we didn't have enough in here. Well, he just gave a whole, you know, up yours type of thing. Here, take this then and just multiplied it. And I guess for me, you know, I, I've never disliked the f- film. Well, I disliked the first one first time I watched it. This one I got into a lot quicker, a lot better because I got it, but I almost took it as satire. The the, the whole the series of of poking fun at people's concept or possibly perception of horror fans mm-hmm. in, in a way, especially with two. With, with two, you know, when we get into where he's watching Human Centipede, he's playing it up because if you look at, and, and the more that I think about it while everybody's talking about it, the way you, the more and more you look at Martin, if you ever hear someone who's not a fan of horror films or doesn't look too kindly on people who like horror films, that's kind of how they picture us to be. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's in, in all honesty. So it, you know, in a way, and then when we get to the third one, especially with the satire, I I really took this more as up yours uh, Italian style uh, with the <laughs> arm um, to to the general audience or the general mainstream people who might have this perception of, you know, well, it's like here, oh yeah, deal with this. Enjoy, you know, and, and he comes up with this just bleak, depressive movie that I, I'm a sick, I watched a couple times and I found a lot of, lot of uh, jaw drop moments, but also just a lot of humor in it. And maybe I'm sick like that, or maybe I just took the scenes wrong or interpreted it wrong than what he was intending. But I just took it as like, oh my God, you know, one of those kind of chuckle like, oh God, you know, especially when you get to the the laxative scene, you know, (laughs) and then you get to the barbed wire scene and and he ratchets up so much that I'm like, yeah, he, you know, that's the way it felt and is that he's not insulting the, the horror fan, but portraying this is, you know, what people kind of perceive horror fans to be so obsessed with their horror films that they will reenact them, you know? And again, I could be off in hearing you guys, but that's just the way I've taken this whole series is that he's having fun with it. He's creating something that is a bit of a satire, a bit of a window of reflecting on yourself going, you know, here, you know, here, here's my vision. You, you interpret it whatever the hell you want out of it. I'm just making a movie. I think you're dead on here, Mark. I think I, I, I do think, especially with the second film, that the second film is kind of a poke and a jab at its audience and at its critics. At the time when it came out, it was very maligned across the board because of its gratuitousness. It's a very gratuitously violent and disgusting film. But I think that it, it was also a jab at the audience that felt that the first film didn't give what the audience thought that they wanted. 
Yeah, it was a jab at me. It was a jab at my type of, of how I approached how, how I took the first one was, oh, that's that's what it was. You know, I didn't really take it like some people, and and that's how it was received by a number of other people I saw. So, yeah, that, when I watched this one, I'm like, oh, okay, I see you heard me, and you decided, okay, fine, you want more here. <laughs> well, it's exactly what Tom Six has said in subsequent interviews where uh-huh. he – what did what was the what was the line, Andrew, where he said that Human Centipede Two makes Human Centipede One look like a Disney film? He said it, uh, it's going to make it look like My Little Pony. As well. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's it's um, <laughs> you know, Mark is uh, he 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 made a point I was going to make, and it's uh, you when you watch horror movies, especially if you're you know. Um, in the 80s, it was a whole thing about um, you know music and, and violent music and violent entertainment ruining kids. Kind of like in when my dad was a kid, when they thought that uh, EC Comics, Tales from the Crypt, and all of that were going to ruin kids' minds and make them murderers. You know, there is a perception that uh, the you know horror movies are are going to twist the minds of of the people that watch it, and it's not something you hear so much about now. But when I was a kid, definitely, they were, they were really worried about that. And there's a sub-sub-sub-sub-genre of horror movies that do um, deal with um, its its subjects being affected by horror, by having watched horror. And Human Centipede 2 um, falls into that. And it's a, it's it's really neat the way that they do that. And I think it's a, not only was it Tom's responding to um, you know people saying the first one wasn't gory enough I think he always I think he may have wanted to make the first one gory but he realized that save that you know what I mean don't go mm-hmm. you don't need to go all out it's a smart guy and so uh, you know two is the bad boys two to the Pearl Harbor of the first if you, will. <laughs> you know, like I agree that it was probably a response to that too but yeah just being a commentary on a on um, um, the idea that violent things cause people to do violent things, you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. a really smart thing to address. And as as much as horror fans, a lot of horror fans seem to hate this series, hate Tom Six, and hate Human Centipede too. This is a movie that's beh- that is that is defending them mm-hmm. and showing the absurdity of that argument. Yeah, and they're and they're they don't even know it. That's how dumb they are. <laughs> don't even realize it. You know, he's in your corner, he's fighting for you, and made a movie for you. It just yeah. goes to show that you can't please um, – the horror, horror audience is impossible. You just don't even – just do your own thing. Don't worry about them. Yeah, and, and, and to Tom Six's uh, – to his credit, he he just continues to make <laughs> things that he doesn't really care what anyone else thinks. And uh, he, speaking of which – Let's move on to Human Centipede 3, (laughs) final sequence. I believe bringing back medieval torture methods. Prison has the highest violence rates, legal and medical costs, than any other institution in the U.S. correctional system. Things will have to change fast. I think I have a solution. No more prison fights. No more assaults on guards. No more disrespect. We've got to make a human centipede of our prisoners. They will literally be on their knees begging for your mercy. It's brilliant. Mr. Tom Six, 
creator of these films claims that it's 100% medically accurate. I don't speak with a stupid filmmaker about his boob fetish. What do you think, Doc? It looks medically accurate. I don't see why someone couldn't survive a lifetime. Peace earth, goodwill to men. This is a violation of human rights. It's certainly a violation of federal ethics. You insane freaks will get the death penalty. This is beyond medieval torture, beyond castration, the ultimate correction. First human presence centipede. This is exactly what America needs. <laughs> so going from the super dire, depressing, bleak, disgusting, oh, I got to go take a shower, part two, we go to part three, which is the final sequence of The Human Centipede, the films proper, the, the trilogy, where we have our two lead characters, our two villains from the first two films, Dieter Laser, who plays Bill Boss. He's uh, the warden of this uh, penitentiary that houses some of the most violent criminals in the entire nation. He's obviously a foreigner that's trying to play this, uh, this completely gung-ho, I am America, right from my, my big... Uh, cowboy hat and my big guns to my my cowboy boots and he screams a lot like he figures every American should should scream and his understudy or his accountant I should say uh, played by Lawrence Harvey the villain from the last movie uh, is uh, characters Dwight Butler and and how we tied part two into part three asked mouth is is that uh, Dwight is showing Dieter or Bill Boss, the first two films. So, so part three starts with, with the end of part two, where the human centipede from part two is dying. Dwight has has big ideas for how he's going to help Bill rein in the increasing violence that's happening within the penitentiary. The new system that he wants to enforce is creating a 300-person human centipede. or There's the, the world's first human prison centipede. Yes. Correct. Uh, 300 people. And, of course, uh, Bill Boss, he sees this, spits out his uh, cigar and goes, that was horseshit. And <laughs> his character, let's just, let's just put this out there. Dieter Laser in part one, it 100% goes for it. There's never one instance where he breaks character where you don't feel that he's 100% in and he embodies that character. Part three, he takes what was a super intense character in part one and turns it into a raving fucking lunatic. <laughs> he is on 11 this entire movie. From, and this is almost a two-hour movie. From frame one to the very end, and he's almost in every single scene in almost all shots, and he just 
this movie must have been an insane blast to make with him on set because it looks like he's just going off the rails and improvising. What did you think, Andrew, about his performance? It's one for the ages, man. It's I, I, I don't even know. I mean, I was very excited for part three uh, when I saw the trailer because it's obviously Tom Six's, uh, you know, uh, final response to the critics of this, the movies and all of that stuff. And he's just like, up yours, here's a big American, you know, it's shot like American and all that stuff. And everything's just so obviously, it's his, his view of, of the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's so so obviously just m- making fun of everybody that's got a problem with it and the character boss is just i was dying i was laughing so hard at him because you you know your description of him is perfect here's the thing man he's gasping for air between his lines yep it's like you remember how tommy lee jones is by the end of natural born killers mm-hmm. and, you know that's like he starts like that. <laughs> it's not the ending, it's the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's just so, oh man, it's beyond word. This was one of my favorite performances in a very long time in, in the horror genre, or just cult film in general. We don't see people going for it like this very often. You know, I could say he might have been referencing Udo Kier um, when he did the, um, you know, the first one, but and it, this, it's off the scale. It's off the scale, and I can't believe it was being interpreted as bad. Anyone who says this guy can't act or is terrible in this movie, I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. It's it's absolutely like you, you can tell Tom Six. I'm sure a lot of it was scripted, but you can tell Tom Six just, just let, let him, him go. Just literally turn that camera on, block out your shot, and just let Dieter Laser just fucking go off the rails. Some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is just so fucking insane. Like, I, I couldn't... The, I showed this... I've watched this a few times now. And the first time I watched it, I watched it by myself, and I was laughing the entire time. It is so offensive. Like, everything that comes out of his mouth is so crassly misogynistic, so, so crassly offensive... And self-important and so wrong on so many moral levels that um, it's a comedy. Human Centipede 3 is not a horror film. It's a comedy. It's a satire on horror films. And um, I th- I find it to be absolutely brilliant. Mark, what did you think about this? Well, it, I got a kick out of it. I mean, you know right away what this one is comedy. And then... After the, seeing this one, it, it really clicked on what Tom Six was going for with his trilogy. And, and I think it enforced my idea that he was, you know, defending and, and putting a window on how people view horror films in general. Because the first one was kind of your basic mad scientist type of horror film, uh, not too graphic or whatnot. Uh, so it fits into kind of that genre of horror films, you know, where they aren't too extreme, but your your basic horror film with with a very interesting hook, and and you know, like you said too, not a lot of special effects. A lot of the gross stuff comes from psychological versus visual. Second one is Tom Six bringing light on the extreme cinema, the underground cinema, the ones going just for shock value, you, you know, and because it's in black and white too, which a number of films like that are shot in, and, you know, and then in this one, it's the comedy horror film, more comedy than horror, but still, it, it's the comedy. I mean, he, 
he spans the different horror genre, major horror genres in across these three films. And this one, yeah, Dieter Laser just he it's like someone flipped the switch on him and he just he just goes. Uh, and you know Lawrence Harvey plays off him very well. I, I love the scenes the two of them have together, and I even enjoy Brie Olson's uh, performance as the secretary. For her, and she's done some comedy too, and and she in her early film career, and she's done some other films. But here, I mean, she came out. She surprised me uh, quite a bit in this as well as holding her own around these other two just over the top characters. And this is Tom Six not only satiring a little bit of your horror comedy, but his current view on U.S. politics and how our prison system is handled. There's a whole lot of, like, I, at least I picked up on political commentary in here that I did not expect. I mean, Bill Boss is like, take every extreme story you've heard from, about any right-wing person and wrap them together and put him in a German, and you've got yourself Bill Boss. I mean, the the prison's named after George W. Uh, you've, got, <laughs> you've got waterboarding in here. You know, he's big on guns. You've got the politician who shows up later. Uh, who's it? Uh, um, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts shows up, you know, and you look at how that character's written. I mean, he's making a statement on, on, on politics as well as as comedy horror through comedy horror on this film and yeah i got a kick out of it it was completely different like the other ones you know than the one previous to it the other two and i love I, I thought i got a kick out of it i really did i mean it, it, i think people are hating it because it's not what they expect and a lot of people just i don't think are and it's it's not their fault it's just they don't they're not getting it or it doesn't click with them of what they're trying to go for in this film. Well, Tom Six, it, it, he's not the kind of filmmaker that's going to make it easy on his audience, as we've already discussed with the previous two films. Mm-hmm. He's going to do whatever the fuck he wants to do, and bravo to him, because, again, he's successful. I mean, he brings in... I think there's a little stunt casting going on in this film uh, with, with where you have Tommy uh, Tiny Lister. Oh, yeah. He's he was very unexpected. I didn't expect to see him in here, and you can't help but think of Friday every time that you see him. Um, but yeah, you have Eric Roberts. I think Brie Olson, her performance is pretty fearless mm-hmm. because she really, as a woman in this film, has to do some very degrading things. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's it. That's why I thought it was a brave performance by her. In fact, she's the only female cast member out of the entire film, I think. How did you feel about, about her character, Kate? Well, I, I knew, um, I knew who she was going into it. So I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't like too surprised, but I mean, I, I liked her character. I thought she did a good job and I thought she really, I thought it was really brave and, and that she did go for it. She went for it. Um, I liked her. I liked her character. It added sort of a, I don't know. It added another dimension to the movie and to the story, and and kind of left you hanging a little bit with it toward the end, and and just kind of worked to show a different side of both um, Bill Boss or Boss Bill. I forget his name. <laughs> Bill Boss. Bill, Bill Boss. Boss. Okay. 
and um, and Dwight. You know, it worked to show different sides of them, like to go deeper into their psyches. Because Dwight, on the one hand, is really just really loves her and really cares for her. And then Bill Boss, we already know he doesn't care, but it goes even further to show just how fucked up <laughs> with ending up including her in the um, centipede. Yeah, I think the Bill Boss character in general and his relationship with uh, with uh, Daisy, who's Brie Olson in the film, she's his uh, secretary. and But more than that, she basically is his sex slave the entire film where whenever he needs, as he says, quote unquote, his balls drained or his ball sack drained, um, <laughs> she has to come in and, and blow him and, and just do all sorts of different degrading things in front of Dwight. Um, and and it, it again speaks more to if you, you looked at the Bill Boss character as kind of a, a metaphor for like as – as I had said, and as Mark had also uh, said, um, the right-wing American gun-toting, you know, boot in the, in the ass of the enemy American. Um, it's also, he, he, the way he treats her is also the thoughts of uh, how little that the general perception of the right-wing mentality in, in politics, how, what they, how they feel about women in general and how they're treated to the point that you know what? Once he's done with her, he's just gonna stick her in the middle of a of a human shit centipede uh, with a bunch of degraded uh, rapists and and murderers. So he doesn't he doesn't even really care. So her character was was very interesting within the structure, or like the underlying metaphor of what was going on in, in this film. Let's talk a little bit more about. Uh, <laughs> I can't get beyond some of the things that are just said. <laughs> um, How about the clitoris? Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 yeah. let's do a rapid fire. Uh, Andrew, what was your favorite uh, line in this film? Oh my goodness, man! That is really a hard question. <laughs> um, you know, I think probably um, you know, it's 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 hard because there's like a. You know, Tiny Lister's character. When I'm walking free, I'm gonna stab you in your eyes. You know, like, <laughs> but that's not. That's not. You know, I have to. It could be. What is Tom Six? Because you know, Tom Six is, plays himself in this movie, right. like a, a kind of like a pussy version of his, himself, and uh, he he like pukes or whatever when he sees the operation. <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember what he says right before he pukes, but um, I you know I I said in the beginning of the movie, the, the beginning of the podcast rather. When he yells, I hate human beings into this bucket. Yes. (laughs) In in my heart of hearts, that's probably it. But I'm actually going to go with a line from Daisy. Um, Because we're mentioning the the fried human clitorises thing. This is, of course, one of the many, many very purposefully offensive things that uh, Boss says. uh, He's got a a jar of fried clitorises that comes from... um, Where they do genital mutilation in Africa, right? I mean, keep in mind, you know, this is a series that's well aware of everything that's come before it. And, you know, you're going in, you're like, how in the world could Human Centipede 3 possibly bother me more than Part 2? Here's how it does it. It's not offensive. Uh, It it challenges your your, uh, political correctness, let's say, you know. 
Um, not unlike maybe an Andrew Dice Clay routine, only this thing is, you know, it hits the gas pedal hard. And you know, if we don't get to it before, I'll say the parts of because I found this to be actually the most disturbing of the of the three because of the humor element. But like, um, I think I'm gonna have to go with when Daisy eats the, um, she eats the fried <laughs> clitoris and um, or no, no, she the blowjob scene ends. Yeah, and she asks for some candy. And um, he hands her the uh, flight fried clitoris jar, and uh, <laughs> she eats it. And her, she says, "Gross, this is salty," is what she says. So. <laughs> Thinking it's candy, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, when all said and done, probably I eat human being, which is one of the lines that um, his character says. He says, "I, I dislike humans," or something in the first one. Right. He, he screams this line into a bucket. I mean, with that accent to anybody that's seen my movie, Humpenstein's uh, knows that I'm a sucker for a really funny accent. Dude's just, yeah, it's hard to pick homie, but that I'm gonna have to go with something in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a pretty solid one. Kate, do you have one? Honestly, that's one of the hardest questions I've had to answer in a long time. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, this yeah. movie is full of it. You know? um, so, favorite, I'm not sure, but a really memorable one for me, I guess, is what I'll go with. Um, <laughs> when he castrates the that the tattooed prisoner, mm-hmm. and then he pulls his balls out and hands them to Dwight and says, Go give these to the kitchen. Tell them to cook them medium rare for my lunch. <laughs> like that? I don't know. Like that? <laughs> hey, when the balls are cut off, that's a pretty like realistic looking. I mean, the gore in this movie. That's- wouldn't you say when the balls come off? Because when he tears them, it's all more so than any of these other movies. Uh, and I hate to derail this thing, but I just have to mention. We talk about how funny it is. It's a comedy, etc. All this stuff. It's disgusting, this movie. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. The stuff that they show. Also, there's a a, a real, honest-to-goodness, uh, shaved b-hole in this movie. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, and when was the last time you saw that? Pink Flamingos, maybe? You know? Um, this, uh, yeah, when the balls are, are cut off and torn, there's, like, white pipe, like, like you know The s- tubes. Bones or tubes. Yeah. Yeah. Stretch. They, you know, it's a pretty gross scene, man. There's a lot of when when the gore happens, there's nothing left to your imagination in this movie. No. So it doesn't it doesn't go completely in another direction. It's still it's as nasty as hell. The whole movie is just, I mean, it is a nasty movie. It's an all-out assault from the first moments of the film until the very end, with him screaming naked in a guard tower, shooting at the heavens. <laughs> It, it is just an all-out assault, this entire film. Uh, Mark, what is what is your, your favorite quote or maybe your, your most memorable scene? Oh, there's, there's, there is a lot. Uh, most of them come from Bill Boss. Uh, for me, I remember uh, it's part of the rant that he did uh, about uh, – 
fuck this sissy psychological leadership bullshit. My leadership balls are a hundred are atom bombs, a hundred megatons each. If you're reading that off IMDb, dude, I type that in. Yeah, I had, I had to because I, had, I wanted to try to get it correct because I remember the megaton line, and I just started rolling. I started rolling because he said a hundred megaton. It wasn't bad enough that he went to my leadership balls are atom bombs. He goes. A hundred megatons each, and that was the part that just I'm just like, oh so, my god! So two hundred megatons, if you assume. So two hundred megatons, yeah. yes. Yeah, but, no, I I actually remember reading something about. Uh, I think it was the um, uh, it was Rue Morgue did a cover story on part three when it came out. Um, there was a thing where uh, and Laser, I don't think was interviewed. Maybe I can't remember now, but Tom Six, I think, said there was almost some litigation that happened because. Uh, um, you know, um, Dieter Laser, you know, is obviously gonna gonna do the movie until he saw the script, and he was like, about to not do it. Like he, it was like, you know, what I'm saying, too much for even him. But eventually, he, you know, they discussed it and he agreed. But he was almost have, gonna have to sue him for like some kind of breach of agreement or something like that. Because you know, oh. the whole movie, the whole movie is predicated on that guy's performance. You know, right. of, of him pl- playing that role. And so, because you know, you'd have to get Nicolas Cage. Otherwise, nobody could really do that. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, um, yeah, yeah I, th- I think it almost went to yeah. He had to really kind of, and yeah. then of course, obviously, they settled into what. But I think part of that performance, you know, might be because he's like, okay, you want me to be crazy? Here we go. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. There's just no restraint whatsoever, and. He is a one-man wrecking crew in this film. And uh, my favorite line, I, I can't even say it's a line, my favorite moment of this film is is a moment that in subsequent viewings, and I've showed this to people, it, that's made them squirm like crazy. And it's the blowjob scene. And it's where he's, uh, Bill Boss is sitting in his chair and Dwight's, you know, it's super hot there because I believe it. This takes place in Texas, correct? Yeah, yes. it is Texas. Yeah, yeah, it was really hot for real. Yeah, and it, and they're just sweating. There's little fans going and whatnot. And uh, Bill Boss has his legs spread on his desk. Oh God, yes. He's leaning back, and and Brie Olson is between his legs, just giving him a good old blowjob in Dieter Laser's face. The entire scene. Oh. Is he is just like his mouth is open in an O and his tongue is darting left and right and going up and down and he's making these weird noises and he's looking over at Dwight half the time and uh, Dwight's and, in the room yeah yeah in the room while he's while she's doing this and when he reaches his orgasm it is so fucking hilariously. Disturbing and uncomfortable, it. But it. It's just like, as an actor, what does it take for you to to get there? Can I? Can I venture a guess? And and this this may not be the case. They might have showed him Return of the Jedi when Leia chokes uh, Jabba the Hutt. Because that's exactly the same face. Yes, it is. 
It is. It's, it's his tongue. His tongue in that sequence is hypnotizing. Well, he was it's, doing like lizardy stuff in the first oh, one. Yeah. Like, uh, like, well, you know, he he licks the butt blood off the stair. Yeah. Um, oh one, God, also, that he, scene is so he gross. Just, he he's got uh the character doctor, you know that Dieter Lazer's thing. He does this lizard thing with the guy and he did it with the, you know, he's not even supposed to be the same character, but he did it in the first one. But that part, yeah, watch her queue up Return of the Jedi when, when Jabba dies. Same exact. <laughs> Somebody had to have been like, all right, just do this. You know? So oh, man. Get on the same. Yeah, yeah. That that scene just, just like, it gets me. Every time I've seen it, it's just like, oh, my God. Oh my god, what is going on? What world am I in right now? Um, but uh, So in general, Human Centipede 3, the, the concept that we had established before uh, from the article that I had read why, why the Human Centipede 3 might be smarter and more interesting than the book you're writing and what you can do about it by Jared Cook um, posits the idea that the series in general, as I said, starts off with a little a little idea by one person. That that idea is then leaked to uh, the public, and then that public, somebody within the public, takes that idea and does something with it, and it's a bad idea. And then somebody takes that bad idea and actually makes it a reality. And then when that reality then gets pushed into a, a mass scale, like a government institutionalized scale and, and realized how how awful that idea really <laughs> really is at its core and and how uh, corruption you know takes root part three uh, it, it ends up where uh, a presidential candidate the guy who runs the overall institutions like a senator Aaron Roberts comes in and he's talking with Bill Boss and the big idea that Bill Boss wants to sell Eric Roberts, I've figured out because Eric Roberts is trying to shut down uh, the penitentiary because it's so corrupt and there's so much problems with it and budgetary reasons and blah, 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 blah. It uh, is the human centipede, and he tries to sell Eric Roberts on this 300-person human centipede that he's created behind his back. And Eric Roberts comes in and he's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> and he's walking around, and there's everybody's, and, and everybody's all, you know, like. They, well, well, not everybody, not everybody. He left something special. I know. For wait, 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 wait. <laughs> mark how he can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> I can't even talk about giggling so much. Um, so he's walking around, and this time the, they had a surgeon. Uh, obviously, the, the prison surgeon is there helping him realize this. And uh, they they have this human centipede, and he's walking him around, and Eric Roberts is sick to his stomach, and he's just flabbergasted. And he goes, but I figured out what to do with the death row inmates. So he walks him. He walks him over. This is something special, and he takes him over to a side yard where he's taken the, the the death row inmates, chopped off their arms and legs, and stitched them at the mouth, at the mouth. Here is the first prison human's uh, caterpillar. A <laughs> caterpillar. At that, at that point, I farted and, and died. Um, and that. I believe is how Tom Six would make more than three movies. Yes. Yeah. 
Where do you go after the human caterpillar? <laughs> the yeah, human yeah. butterfly, duh. Yeah, yeah, the human butterfly. Yeah. It'd be like a turducken, only with people. No, you take a part. <laughs> Got the turn part, right? <laughs> you have you have arms coming out of the back, and then at that point... Then they fly. Then, then, you they fly. Teach, then they fly. <laughs> you you stretch the go. skin between the arms, and then they fly. Yeah, and then they, they fly around and shit on people that are washing their cars. <laughs> Like he's cleaning off the bird shit, and then here comes the human butterfly, pa plow, you know, <laughs> dropping a couple spikes on the windshield. Paint, paint. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like Mothra, only instead of the dust, it drops shit. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> to betray the spectrum, so I don't die laughing here. This um, turned really fucked up. I didn't expect this. So, well, here we go. Um, so, Eric Roberts sees the human caterpillar and understandably is very disturbed <laughs> by everything that's happened. And, and when they go to reconvene back within the facility, uh, it's like, we're all going to jail. We're going to be hanged. This is fucked up. We can't do this. And uh, he leaves. And uh, then eventually, in a typical scene in, in most movies you see, but it, but in a much more lighthearted film, he's sitting and thinking about it on his ride home and shaking his head, yes, yes, this is a good idea. Like, What? And then comes back and says, "You're, I'm going to be president. This is such a good idea. <laughs> this movie is so fucking, like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even, it's beyond me. Uh, it's it's hilarious. So, the human centipede, who, who knew a human, the first human prison centipede would, would make Eric Roberts the president of the United States. And uh, the movie ends, and it's... Uh, just as nonsensical at the the end as it was at the beginning. Um, final thoughts, people. Andrew, what give your trustees on what you you thought overall of Human Centipede Three? Oh man, I just was like, you know, like I said, I was very excited to see it when I saw what the concept was, and I was very impressed with Tom Six once again. I was like, man, how does he keep doing this? What there's there's unprecedented for a horror series. You had the same director coming back again and again, but the movies be so completely different from one another. You know, it's more like one than it is two, but still they do build on each other and they are more outrageous each time. And I just was, I couldn't believe it, but I also, yeah, with the comedy made it even more disturbing to me. And uh, I, I, particularly the, uh, the nightmare sequence that, uh, that boss oh. has, oh. I was, I was so glad that they made that a dream because that was one of the most awful things I've ever seen in a movie ever. I mean, it's, uh, I'm surprised nobody brought it up, but I guess once you're seeing all this other horrible things, it's just kind of just one of the things that happens. But, uh, to me, that was by far the, yeah, that was upsetting to me. And as a matter of fact, the second time I watched it, because I did review it, um, I, I fast-forwarded through that. Like, I couldn't... Yeah, yeah, that's a rough sequence, and I think I haven't brought it up because I kind of want to leave some things, uh, if, you, if people are actually listening to us that haven't seen it. Oh, well, I'm not going to say what happens. I just... Yeah. Just, but anyway, um, yeah, man, I just... I think it's, you know, Astro Radio Z wants to talk about the cult film and extreme film and, and uh, exploitation and stuff like that. Um, the reaction that these movies have gotten before we were recording, Derek looked them up to see what the tomato meter rating was, just the critics' ratings, fans' rating, whatever. 
and they just keep going down. One is the, you know, it's kind of basically split down the middle. And then two, less people liked it. And then three, what did you say, 18%, something like that? Yeah. So yeah. I think it's I think it's safe to say that um, in general people really hate these movies and um, really don't like them and really don't like Tom Six and I think that is an indicator of that in you know 10, 20, 30 years time Human Centipede the three movies assuming that's all he's going to do because he hasn't talked about wanting to do anymore and he's got plans to do a different movie um, these things are going to be somebody's going to have this same discussion that we're having about all three films, you know, it's just, um, I don't know. Once you look at it all together, man, but especially with three, it was crucial. That third part, how the hell is he going to do this? I was blown away by it. Totally. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. I think once, once taken as a whole, um, I think it, it finally, the whole entire series comes into view as to what he had envisioned for <laughs> what a, a, a series of films, because let's be honest, the general status quo for any franchise is three films. It's a trilogy. Yeah. And and he's taken that, dissected it, spoke about it within his own films, and actually completed it with very little outside influences to how he was going to do it. Yeah, did he speak about the audience um, in his films? Yes, but he did them in a way that is kind of unprecedented in, in modern cinema with the the notion of that most filmmakers now want to appeal to its audience as yeah, a to as opposed to him who who didn't really care at all yeah and and you know by by that um, by that description which is totally accurate and I totally agree with he's what the the the, the horror fans seem to want you know what I mean in terms of originality in terms of attitude in terms of you know the outlaw mentality, in terms of like the extremism, he seems like he would be exactly who they want, but yet they can't stand it. Which to me says that um, if they really got what they wanted, they really wouldn't like it. That's what they're screaming for: different stuff, originality, no remakes, you know, good sequels, and just give us all the gore and the gross and whatever. And they like that rebel attitude or whatever. Forget it. Completely agree with you. Kate, what are your final thoughts on uh, The Human Centipede 3 and the series in general? <sighs> oh, gosh. 3, I was super excited about. I really, really enjoyed it. I absolutely loved everyone's performance in it. Everyone did such a good job, especially Bill Boss. He was just out, just out of fucking control. <laughs> like, seriously, that those are the words that I would use to describe this this movie in particular. And I think that's kind of what, what sets it apart from the other two, even though they all stand all on their own really well. This one just sort of blows everything out of the water in a way that you could have never, ever imagined. And um, I love the the whole really super meta thing it has going on, even down to the kind of like the personalities of uh, Dwight and Bill Boss, you know, Bill Boss is sort of the crazy, sadistic one in in the third one and also in the first one when he's Dr. Hyder. And uh, Dwight is pushed around and kind of stomped on in both movies. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's well thought out. It's really gruesome and actually, like, made my body hurt. And just that combined with all three of them, it's, it 
it's a perfect centipede. <laughs> so when you when you say it hurt your body, what are you referring to? Oh God, one thing in sp it oh with the the boiling water on the face. I have a thing about burns. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a pretty rough scene, and the scene that Kate's referring to is that uh, Bill Boss has a particularly uh, indignant prisoner, uh, where he's going to torture him for discretions, and uh, he puts uh, a towel over his face and goes and pours this boiling like multiple buckets of boiling water over this guy's face, and then takes the towel off, and his face is just melting. Just completely melting away. It's a it's a repulsive sequence. Uh, yeah, I thought it was perfect, and I love the kind of the commentary that you get on all the political stuff, like you guys had mentioned. So, Mr. Mark the Movie Man, go ahead, round <laughs> it out. Let's let's hear about part three and your thoughts on the series in general. Part three was a surprise. Uh, I smiled all the way through the film, as well as winced and and flinched and went. Dear Lord, where where are you going with this film? You you don't know at all. You can't predict where this film is going, you, except for the part you know. At some point, you're going to see a large centipede because it's on the poster. But outside of that, you have no idea what direction these characters are going. And I like the unpredictability. And Dieter Laser is just just fun to watch. Someone just go insane for nearly two hours straight. And then the series as a whole, unlike the Tomato Meter, I actually enjoyed these more as I went along than less, uh, and, and I got it. And it is, it's a unique trilogy. I, again, as you mentioned, I respect it because it's something original. It's somebody doing something different, uh, you know, and the fact that a lot of people uh, crapped on them, uh, no pun intended, uh, it, shows you that I don't think I think what some mainstream horror fans think they want and then when they finally get it don't actually want that because that's sick as hell uh, you know what I mean uh, I, I think the idea of watching these films appeals to them more than them actually watching these films uh, you know Tom Six definitely has put together a, a group of a trilogy of films that are very unique it's structured really well. It's written and thought out. You know, he this is the plan he had all along. I think with this trilogy, I don't think he made the films one by one. You know, by by looking at oh well, this is what people said. I think he kind of predicted how the first film was going to receive be received, and he wrote he planned at least this whole trilogy out the way it's written. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not my favorite series. But I love the originality, and the third one was just so off the wall that uh, you know I give total respect to to what he did. Uh, and no, it's going to be select for select taste. This isn't going to be for everyone. Uh, most people are going to sit down and either not get it or just go, "Oh dear God," and focus on the shit eating. Uh, when there's a lot more going on in this trilogy than that. I agree completely, and I think people that are dismissive of Tom Six and what he's done with these films are, are kind of missing the boat here. I, he's, he is within the genre of the more, more high-profile directors that are out there in the horror genre right now, a very interesting and intriguing voice. And I think because of the, the shallow and superficial nature of Shocks 
that people perceive these films to be basically embody, which is uh, just essentially a three-part poop joke. Um, it's a real disservice to uh, one, the creativity uh, of this, the, the thoughtfulness of the script, of the structure of the films, the way they speak about uh, the horror viewer in general, about the genre, about uh, the people that, that consume these films, and the public that ultimately ends up getting affected by these films is it's, it's very intelligent and very well thought out. But it's also the, these films, while while they do take themselves seriously, let's let's be honest, these films take themselves very seriously with what they're trying to do. There's also a, a very punkish uh, playfulness to all of them mm-hmm. that uh, that I absolutely adore. When it when it comes to if you're you're going to do something like this, kick the door down, light it on fire, and piss on the ashes, and that's <laughs> that's exactly what happens in this movie series. And I respect the hell out of it. Is it something that I'm going to sit and watch all the time? No. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think I think just in general, because it's so confrontational, um, it, it, they are hard films to watch. They're really hard films to watch. And is I think as you get older, you have <laughs> the 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 urge that we all once had to be gore hounds and splatter fiends starts to wane. It's going to be harder and harder to revisit them, but. But I respect the hell out of what he's accomplished with this series of films. And uh, to the people, at least from my perspective, to the people that that have dismissed this outright for superficial reasons, you're missing out, dudes and dudettes. I mean, seriously, this is, you want, as everyone said here, you want original horror and you want horror that actually has a brain behind its, you know, its, its sick exterior. This is it, man. The Human Centipede series, seriously, within the horror genre, what else can really compare to it right now? Uh, Nothing, dude. No. Go go ahead, Mark. Sorry. He just didn't put enough jump scares in. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So the Human Centipede series, to to me, thumbs up. Astro Radio Z, thumbs up. I think across the board from all of us, we we highly recommend you you watch them all watch them in sequence don't watch them <laughs> separated you can and you can still enjoy each of the films cuz they're all standalone films but if you watch them as they're intended you'll you'll get so much more out of them Big 
join a lot of other men Cause I, I just wanna bring people together Oh I, I just wanna bring people together to do one more thing before we wrap up for the night. Uh, this is something that uh, Mark the Movie Man and I and Mr. Corey J. Udler used to do uh, in some of the previous episodes in old school Astro Radio Z. It's kind of a pick of the week type deal where each of us are going to go down the line. We're just going to pick something that we've really enjoyed that we've either seen, we've heard, or um, we, we've read. Uh, that we kind of want to let people know about. So, uh, Mark, let's start with you. What's what's something that you've been really digging on lately that you want to tell the viewers or the listeners of Astro Radio Z about? Uh, there was an indie film. Uh, it, it wasn't this week, but it was just recently I reviewed actually for We Live Film. It was from a first-time indie director. I got to actually interview a very fun movie called uh, The Lake on Clinton Road. Uh, it's an indie film. It's his first feature that he did, and for a first feature, it was really impressive for what they did. And then talking to him and hearing the uh, pains he had as an indie director of of cast uh, bugging out and locations not working out for him and everything, and seeing the film that comes out, uh, you know, I, I really see a lot of talent there. It's based off of one of the what's considered the scariest road in America, in New Jersey. There is a Clinton Road, and uh, it was fun. It was a fun movie. Uh, they worked within their budget, and I, I, I could see a lot of talent there and a lot of potential, and, and I'm looking forward to his next work. But it's called The Lake on Clinton Road. It's uh, hitting video on demand tomorrow, and Redbox, he got a Redbox distribution uh, on next week or the week after. So, uh, yeah, I, I recommend it to that to see uh, in, in uh, what I think is going to be an up-and-coming indie director, uh, Deshaun Hardy. Uh, I, I think for his first feature, considering the amount of indie films I've watched recently, it's a really, it's a really good watch if you're an indie f- film fan. So. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Andrew Shearer, you constantly are consuming stuff. What's the raddest thing you've watched lately? 
Oh god, dude! I don't know what's the raddest thing that I've watched lately because uh, everything. I, I usually am pretty pretty good about picking stuff. I guess that the most recent thing that I watched was called The Wolf Pack. It's a documentary by Crystal Moselle, and it's about these homeschool kids in uh, New York City, Lower East Side, who have, have uh, are obsessed with movies because they're never allowed to go outside, and they make their own like they make their own Reservoir Dogs, they make their own Pulp Fiction, they make their own Batman, uh, The Dark Knight. They just they're obsessed with movies. It's like these six brothers, and um, the you know it's hard to believe that this really happened. In fact, I'm I'm still not exactly sure if I believe it, and um, I don't know necessarily if that's the mark of a great documentary or not. But man, if you're a fan of like if you're just a movie geek, the idea of a group of you know, teenage boys um, who just are fed nothing but films and then just like transcribe it by hand, the entire scripts and then make the costumes and act them out on, you know, a video camera in their own apartment because they can't go out. It's mm. it just blow you away. Unbelievable. Just see them reenact, you know, one of them's supposed to be Samuel L. Jackson, you know, talk, talking about every time I touch brain, I'm guns and Navarro. You know, you're seeing this. Oh, God. It's like somewhere between being there and be kind, rewind. You know, I don't know that it was it was a neat experience. What that reminds me of. Uh, you remember uh, I, it's on dog, the tip of my tooth. tongue. Dog tooth. They weren't nope. allowed to go outside. Gosh. Right. What what I'm thinking of is there was that guy that made that um that first blood remake off of the book that did everything he played all the characters. Oh, it was yeah. in his yeah. his yeah. apartment for the what was it? The, um yeah. it's but it's it literally this guy had he's a he was an upcoming actor and uh, he decided because he was so um, incredibly influenced and profoundly moved by yeah, no, First I Blood. I just don't even... Yeah, I don't remember with what it is. He decided to remake the entire book. Just him playing all the characters <laughs> in his apartment. Yeah, and, I mean, there's, uh, there's more to the Wolfpack than just that. I mean, when you start to get into the reasons why these kids live in this apartment and why they aren't allowed to go out, you know, and dealing with, like, the interviews with their mom, their dad it starts to get a little, you know what I mean? There's there's a bigger story than that, but just right. right as soon as the movie starts, you're watching these reenactment of Reservoir Dogs, note-perfect dialogue, imitations of the actors' performances. It's just, it's wild, man. I mean, it really is wild. Flooding with love for the kid. That's it, Mark. That's it, Mark. Thank you. I Thank you very much. I never remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can never remember the name for it. I, I will never forget the move, but I can never remember the name for it. So so that sounds like a pretty awesome, the Wolf Pack. That sounds like a pretty awesome movie. Yeah, it's um, definitely a lot to think about. I, I still don't even know how I feel. I just, yeah, I'm still, you know, days later thinking about it. So, so it was successful. That's, <laughs> that's all you can say. Um, Kate, what about you? Well, I saw on Friday, and it's it's definitely one that I'm sure a lot of people have heard of now. Um, I saw the Amy Winehouse documentary, and oh, sure. mm-hmm. yeah, it it was really really excellent and really moving and really sad and just really 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 well made. And so that you know, if anyone has any interest in her at all, 
even if you've only heard a couple songs or you just know who she is, it's, it's worth, it's worth watching. It was really well done. Yeah. I was out of town when it opened here. Otherwise I would have went, I really am excited about it. Cause like, yeah. I don't know. Um, did anyone see the montage of heck Kurt Cobain? Documentary? I uh, unfortunately have not had the opportunity to see it yet. It sounds you know, interesting. There's this, I mean, there's this idea here that, um, you know, like the fame destroys or whatever, but it's more of just like someone who just wanted to make music mm-hmm. taken on this ride. And then you're left to decide how you feel about the, 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 the industry machine, you know, and what it does to people. I don't right. know if that's a thing in the Amy documentary, but it was very definitely similar. a thing. Um, what do you say? It's very similar. Okay. Yeah. It was definitely a thing in the, I don't know. You just—it's interesting because you feel like you—you you know, as as a as a musician, do you or as any artist, like, is the goal to reach the widest artist, the the widest group possible? Like, is should that be, you know, everybody that makes anything should that be their ultimate goal? You know, it's an interesting question. Amy Winehouse is a casualty, man. It almost happened to Lauren Hill, also. If you guys remember, mm-hmm. or, I mean, she. Almost didn't make it out of that. I can't wait to see Amy. I'm very excited about it. I know it's going to upset me because I was a, you know, like everybody else, man. I'm back to black. That that record's oh, awesome. It's amazing. Oh yeah, and I I mean I I cried. Like it was it was really really, yeah. It, it's it was really well done. Yeah, I, I saw a clip and it was just a home video of her as a teenager oh, with her friends, you know, and but that voice comes out. Yeah, crap. She was just always good at it. She was just yeah. always really excellent. Without, I, they didn't. I don't think she ever had any training. She was just always great at singing. Yeah, just like can that. You, can you just imagine the music we would have gotten? That's the it's thing. Just, Twenty-seven right. years old. Amy Winehouse dead. Twenty-seven years old. Yeah. yeah. It's too bad. It's a shame. So, so the documentary is pretty great. It's yeah. It was it was fantastic. Awesome. We'll definitely have to look out. I know I, I'm Amy Winehouse fan, so I definitely want to check this out for sure. So, um, me, you guys took some pretty, <laughs> pretty heavy stuff. I'm, I'm gonna go the opposite direction. I finally saw Zombievers. I, uh, <laughs> I love Zombievers. Oh my god, dude, Zombievers was rad as fuck. It was. Let, let's be honest. It's a stupid. You know, kids go to to a cabin and some bad shit happens to them. Type movie. But uh, this is a movie, and uh, Andrew and I had talked about it um, outside of here and maybe on Facebook, where it was a movie that finally, like, that was heavily influenced by the Evil Dead that got it right. That literally knew that things, once you, you posit an idea, grow that to such astronomically absurd levels and never look back. And, and nobody's safe. No, go for broke. Zombievers. <laughs> when when people were bit and turned into zombievers themselves, I was just this movie. This movie had me. It took. <laughs> it is so funny. It's so hokey. All the effects are so like shoddy and horribly done, but done in a very charming way. And it, it, it was very aware of what it was doing. Um, but I don't think it was it was aware in a snarky kind of way. It was aware or in like some sort of ironic kind of way. I thought it was just like it wanted to make a silly, charming, gross, over-the-top horror comedy. And it, and it succeeded, at least for me. I've heard people complain that it was a little too on the nose. I don't know. What did you guys all think of it? Well, I, mean, I, think, I think what I said to you was that uh, 
you know, out of all the different filmmakers and films that are cl- so clearly inspired by part two, Evil Dead 2, uh, the cartoonish gore and all of mm-hmm. that and, you know, the setup and everything. I feel this is the first movie, and I've seen Evil Dead 2 a lot. I went through a period of my life where it, I had a VCR that would only play Evil Dead 2 because the tape was stuck in it, okay? So I've seen it enough times to, to, <laughs> to, to know what the hell I'm talking about here. It's the first movie I've ever seen that really seemed to have this spirit naturally. To mm-hmm. just come by it earnestly remind me of Evil Dead 2 in the most organic way possible. Yeah, so. I, I got a kick out of it. I, I loved it. I, I had tried to get a screener for a while, and then I actually did get a screener for it uh, and watched it. And I actually talked to one of the people involved with it because I asked, because I loved the delivery guys, the, the, the two guys in the beginning that were driving trucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I was talking to someone from the film, I think it was the director or, or one of the actors, and, and I asked, and they said most of that dialogue was part of it, part of it was off the cuff and part of it was script, but it was kind of a blend of improv and not, and they just rolled with it. They just like sat there and <laughs> and rolled with with the dialogue because they were so into character and I I loved those two characters, uh you know and the whole film too the the people turning into zombies and zombie yeah it really did have that Evil Dead two natural vibe to it without saying hey look we're trying to be Evil Dead two, uh. And yeah, you can't go wrong with zombie beavers. So. Yeah, great stuff. Any fans of, of slapstick horror over the top? Kate, did you see it? No, I haven't seen it, but it it sounds great. Oh, you'll love it. I love yeah. beavers too. They're they're adorable. <laughs> you you heard it first here on Astro Radio Z. <laughs> Kate <laughs> loves beavers. I just one hundred percent medically accurate. Kate loves, Kate loves beavers. <laughs> 100% medically accurate. Loves beavers. Yes. <laughs> it's on Netflix, so go check it out for sure. And, and uh, one quick more note I just wanted to, to say. I'll, I'll, I'll put in one more. It's my show. I can do this shit. Um, I, I also saw Chappie, and I have no idea why people hated that movie. No idea <laughs> whatsoever. I thought it was fabulous. Chappie, go see it. I'm not going to go any further into it from that. So, um... There you go, folks. I only do this show, it seems, every once, every couple months now. <laughs> so, so there's another episode of Astro Radio Z. Thanks for listening. This is the part of the show that uh, we're going to tell you where to go find us. So, Mr. Gonzorific, tell us, where can the fine listeners of Astro Radio Z go and check you out? Oh, hi, everybody. My name's Andrew Shearer. Thanks for listening to the damn old podcast. I'm not doing that. Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> I wish you would. I, I, and I am in Georgia, so there you go. There's your Southern man voice. Uh, no, I make movies with my friends, and uh, if you'd like to watch them, I have a few on Amazon On Demand. Uh, I have uh, Fake Blood, Mondo Gonzo, uh, Pajama Nightmare, and um, the latest one is called The Underground Cinema, Cinema with an S. But what I also should mention is that uh, if you still buy physical media, we also sell DVDs at www.gonzorific.com, and these are... Um, there's some different stuff, more stuff than is available on Amazon. We also have bonus features, um, cast and crew commentaries, outtakes, uh, extra short films, all kinds of neat, sexy, weird uh, underground cinema for you and your loved ones to enjoy this Christmas holiday season. Kate, where can the fine listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on itsonlyamovieblog.com as well as gorillafilmonline.com and... You can buy some of my T-shirts 
at screened.com slash glitch is good. Awesome. Glitch is good. It's amazing. Mr. Mark the Movie Man, please pimp it all out, my brother. <laughs> pimp it all out. Well, I am involved in a number of things, but you can uh, go to specialmarkproductions.com, and that's kind of a one-stop shop for pretty much uh, all the stuff I do. Uh, I do a two horror segments a week still. I've been doing it for almost a year now. Two horror segments a week for We Live Film. Uh, do the podcast, the Spoiler Room podcast, where we actually de dedicated a whole episode to defending Chappie. So uh, check that out uh, once you watch it after uh, Derek's wonderful recommendation there. Uh, so the Spoiler Room, as well as uh, I've got a... Um, my own Final Cut movie review show, and uh, those are all now being posted as well on moviepilot.com. So uh, I, I'm all over the place, and soon some stuff may be showing up on another website called For Geeks Like You. Uh, a friend of mine there, a, a good guy, has uh, asked if I wanted to help out there. So I'm just a movie review slut, so I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you tart. I am a tart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and a host occasion, a host of Film Jerks that is also part of the Astro Radio Z network, which you should check out with along this show and a show that Derek does, the Stooge Cast. So some great stuff on Astro Radio Z, uh, not just this show. Yeah, and he laughs at babies dying. So that's... I do laugh yeah. at babies dying. That's how <laughs> I am. I laugh at babies dying. I break for babies, literally. I break break. 100% <laughs> accurate, Kate, and baby breaker, Mark. Movie man. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, I'm your host, Derek Carey. Uh, if you, you want to find out more about Astro Radio Z, go to astroradioz.com. We have all of the ancillary podcasts up there for your listening and auditory pleasure. You can listen to StoogeCast, hosted by Corey J. Udler. You can uh, listen to Film Jerks, and you can find all of the episodes of Astro Radio Z there um, for your listening pleasure. So please go to AstroRadioZ.com and check it out. If you want to talk to me or want to talk to any of these fine people, you can go to the Facebook page or you can email me at AstroRadioZPodcast at gmail.com, and uh, I'll talk back at you. Maybe if you're nice. Otherwise, you can uh, buy some of some some silly movies that I that I make from time to time. You can find uh, Swamphead at uh, Wild Eye Entertainment, or you can go to Vimeo.com forward slash Gory Hole and uh, rent right now our new Wisconsin-based horror anthology, Hole in the Wall. Fairly soon, I have it all done. It's all ready. All the elements are there. I've looked at it. It's been in my hand. I have DVDs of Hole in the Wall, which will finally get released. And uh, you can buy it, and I will let you know when that happens. But uh, as of right now, you can go and rent it. Please help us out. Check out some very wildly subversive and um, uncomfortable cinema in Hole in the Wall. So for me and all my my fellow deviants here and my uh, my human podcast appeed, Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to Astro Radio Z. Say goodbye. Good night, people. Good night, Good night people. people. Good night, sweet centipede. Ooh. Clitorescence! <laughs> <laughs>